1: Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and today bring you another New Zealand lockdown special. This time with the only man to play 100 tests, 100 one-day internationals and 100 T20s. The former Black Caps captain and current star batsman, Ross Taylor. OK, Ross, well, first off, thanks so much for joining me on the following on podcast here on TalkSport. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had each Sodi on the show. And I asked him what song would he like me to introduce him to, or in terms of a, a <laughs> ring walk. Now, it surprised me that he didn't choose one of his own songs. Um, but yeah, I was about I, to say,
2: did he, did he choose a rap song or...?
1: Well, he did, yes, he did. He chose, <laughs> he chose Biggie Smalls. So um, so well, if, you, if you were to walk out, uh, not to take on Sonny Bill, but if you were to walk out boxing ring style, music blaring well, out, what song, would, uh, what song would you choose?
2: Um... I did like uh, I did like that fo- the mood of each fighter, was it? Fighter? Um, here I go again on my own. That's
1: not a bad tune. Oh, mate, you're showing your age a bit there.
2: Yeah, no, I, like I, just, I don't mind that. Don't mind that.
1: <laughs> bit of a classic. All right, well, I'll put that on the start of the, the podcast. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> Okay, well look, we'll just start off, with, I'm just going to fire a few questions at you. So the, the first thing that comes to mind, um, I just, uh, I've just, i got 10 quick questions for you. So starting out, what two bowlers did you find the most difficult to play against? And you can choose one spinner and one fast bowler.
2: Uh, I, I guess I just have to answer it like I answer it to most people when they ask you. Merrily, for the off spinner, uh, for a spinner, and uh, Malinga, uh, always... Always a difficult uh, proposition, both of them.
1: Most underrated teammate you've ever played with, for New Zealand or, or anywhere? Um,
2: I'll go with uh, Jesse Ryder, I think. Mm. Probably more, not necessarily underrated, just um, probably didn't play as you know, one of the best players. And, and as a junior and, and at the start of his career, I think he's probably even better than Kane Williamson. But um, he definitely didn't have the career that he should have.
1: Wow, that's really interesting, you say that because um one of my co hosts Jarrah Kimber uh we were speaking about Jesse Ryder the other day funnily enough, and he said he was watching New Zealand play with Ian O'Brien, one of your former teammates, and Ian O'Brien said to him that Jesse Ryder could have been the best cricketer that uh pretty much ever played for New Zealand, but obviously it didn't quite go that way
2: no definitely i I'd differ with um with Alba there he in terms, in terms of talent, um, no one comes close, I don't think. Um, but, you know, obviously cricket is, is a lot more than just talent and, and the way you apply yourself in different things. And, um, you know, I guess that's where, um, you know, other players have surpassed him uh, over time. And, um, you know, it's disappointing, but, you know, he did play some special knocks for New Zealand at the same time.
1: Have you always worked hard?
2: Um, I think ever since I was a youngster, I um, always, I always had a lot of balls um, to the annoyance of our neighbours and probably mum and dad. I used to spend, I had a ball on a string uh, outside the front of our house, and I used to spend and hit, um, hit balls for you know two or three hours a day, um, even in the winter, which I got told off a, a lot or, or yelled at from neighbours telling me to be quiet at nine o'clock at night. But uh, it probably, it probably helped me in my work ethic as a, as a professional cricketer later, later in life.
1: Who was the most underrated opponent that you played against?
2: I'd say he probably doesn't get the accolades that he should is as, as Hashim Amla.
1: Mm. Um,
2: I think, uh, you know, I think we talk about the big four a lot. I think Amla um, and the way he plays and the way he carries himself both on and off the field, I think as a credit to himself, but um, to his country. I think, um, you know, his record is amazing, the way he's he quickest to all these ODI records. And, um, you know, I think, I'm not sure why, he probably doesn't get the accolades he, he deserves.
1: Who was the best captain you've played under and why?
2: Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I've been played played under some very good captains um, over time uh, and some very uh, famous captains. But I think... Um, the one that I enjoyed the most is um, is probably Anil Kumble. I think um, I think playing under Kumble at IPL, um, the way he interacted with all the players and um, you know both very high profile and, and the younger younger players who were just establishing themselves, um, I really enjoyed and and really admired the way he went about things.
1: Anil Kumble once described you as a murderer of spinners. How did you become so adept at playing spin growing up in a country that doesn't necessarily associate itself with spin bowling uh, quite as much as some of the others on the subcontinent? Oh,
2: I think I've still got a lot to do <laughs> when it comes to playing spin. I think, uh, I guess when I first came on the scene, um, at, I guess at IPL level in 2020s was sort of just emerging. Um, I guess in the role that we had uh, in the middle water, you know, there was only one way of playing spin and that was to try and um, attack them as soon as possible where I suppose the game's evolved and, and I've had to change my game where spinners are quite often the, or the highest ranked um, players in the world but, but also the hardest to get away. Um, so, oh, I mean, it's a, I wouldn't say that um, I play spin like I did probably 10 years ago but um, I, I did enjoy it was a lot easier to attack them um, <laughs> than
1: trusting your defence.
2: I suppose. Uh,
1: what was the best innings you watched from the other end? Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, there's a couple of
2: there's a couple of one day hundreds um, that I thought Ponting early on in my career. I felt like he was very in control, and no matter where we bowled to him, he had he had an answer for it. Um, a um, couple of times in the subcontinent, Kohli and, and Sayweg. I, th- I feel like anywhere we bowled to them, we had no answer. Um, so they're probably three that come to mind now.
1: And what about from a Kiwi perspective? Someone you had your feet up in the dressing room, or maybe as a non as, as a batting partner, you just sat there and thought, "Wow."
2: Um. From, from probably a non-striker's point of view, I think uh, Martin Gupta got 180 um, out here in Hamilton against South Africa, and it was quite a tough, quite a difficult wicket. And we might have only been chasing about 280 anyway. Um, but that 180 was probably I put better than his 230 and and his 180 against England and Southampton. I thought that was a fantastic innings and something. Um, and I, I guess because I was at the other end and, and how difficult I found it, that's why I thought it was one of the, his best innings and, and probably one that I, I admire just off the top of my head now.
1: You and Martin Guptil have a, a, a great relationship. You were obviously very close and uh, schooled by uh, Martin Crow as well. What do you put down the reason that Guptil didn't quite make it at test level when his talent is so clearly there for all to see? Um, I think
2: for me, it's probably finding uh, what the best position for him was. Um, was it opening the batting or batting at five? I think if you give a guy an opportunity up the top of the order, or you ask him, I think Guppy always wanted to open, where um, I always probably felt he was more of a, a five-six um, player who could, could come in um, you know, when the ball is a little bit older and, and come and dominate an, an attack and I guess in one day cricket, you, you've got two slips and the bowler comes in and swings it away and you get an outside edge second ball. It goes, to, it goes down to third man where I guess it's, it's packed in a, in a test match cricket. And that's probably um, you know been his downfall as an opener. But then I personally don't think that that was his best position
1: um, in the team. What's your biggest sporting regret? Biggest sporting regret?
2: I don't know if it's a regret. Oh. Also result in the uh, Lords last year was a bit different
1: <laughs> well, you brought it up, mate, so I'm going to have to ask about it but but yeah, go on um, sorry.
2: yeah, I mean it's one of those ones where we probably we probably had a lot of luck leading into it, but it was something that I'll never forget, and um, even though we were on the wrong side of the result, um, you know it' was probably go down as one of the greatest games, if not greatest one day games in the in the history of um of one-day cricket, and it just happened to be a World Cup final at Lords, the home of cricket, um, and and obviously someone was going to win their first ever World Cup. And it was just disappointing for us that it wasn't us.
1: When you uh, when you're trying to fall asleep at night, and there were so many moments in that game, I was there as well. Um, there were so many games uh, moments in that game that went against New Zealand. You know, you've been given out incorrectly, and obviously not having a review. The ball hitting the bat. the uh, Trent Bolt hitting the, the, the boundary. I don't need to go into it. But
2: uh, Jason the, Roy getting the LBW first ball.
1: Oh, that one as well. Murray. There were so many, Murray. weren't
2: there? Murray not giving him out.
1: <laughs> is, it, is that the one? I mean, what, what's the one that, that still has you um, oh, dropping the, off to sleep, the, you think of?
2: Uh, I was backing up the throw from Guptil, um, Oh. That hit the bat. Um, oh. and I was at what well, I was at point. The Gronholm was at short third man, and then it, it just hit the bat so hard. I can just see it trickling over, hitting the rope. Now I was like, even Usain Bolt, even Usain Bolt wouldn't have been able to chase that ball down. It was going that fast. Um, but uh, I mean, I look at it now, look back on it, and and you do. Obviously, it's disappointing, but you do have to have a bit of a smile at the same time.
1: You uh, recently picked up the Sir Richard Hadley Awards for the third time, I think, and you picked out two moments from uh, the last 12 years. One of them was the World Cup final. One of them was the MCG Boxing Day test. Um, obviously, both didn't go your way. If asked five, 10 years ago, do you think you would have picked out those two games still? You know, Is the fact that you're at this stage of your career, you can, you can compartmentalise now. You can see them for what they are. Um, is it all about winning still? Or has that um, changed as you as you become more experienced?
2: Oh, I suppose the more, the more you, every time you play, you want to win. Whether it's um, test cricket, one-day cricket, backyard cricket, um, playing golf. Um, you know, I'm sure most professional cricketers are very competitive and, and want to win. But I think you can, if you had said to me five years ago that I was even able to play in a Boxing Day test and play in another World Cup final, i I would have said that you're telling porkies, really. Um, so I think if you, you know, those are the those are the things you look back on at the end of your career and, and have fond memories, um, even if they aren't as as good of memories for how the game panned out. But um, you know, it's it's something that uh, I guess it, it makes you grow as a as a cricketer and a person as well.
1: What other proud moments are going to you know be up there alongside those two? Um, when you do finally call it a day?
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose there's been, a, there's been so many that, um, both ups and downs, that um, I guess the downs make you a better person and, and get, let you deal with things, but then makes those um, moments of success even more special, knowing how hard they are to, to reach. Um, but no, I think anytime time you win series and um, and I think I think in the way you see Test cricket and, and cricket in general. Um, I think a lot of teams do well at home, but it's, it's a success you have away from home, I think probably or um, sitting in the bank and, and succeeding in other conditions. Um, you know your own conditions very well, and um, you know turning up to different grounds around the country sort of know the ins and outs of it where succeeding overseas and, and other conditions are, are probably the the most satisfying.
1: What's, um? What cricket grounds come to mind when you think of the very best that you've played at overseas?
2: Um, I'd probably look at grounds differently. Uh, I, I like the look and feel of them. I think you know, Lords um, is a no-brainer, and everyone says it. Um, Adelaide Oval, just just something about a place that's got still got a, a big stadium around it, but still got a bit of grass embankment and, and, and the view um, and the backdrop of of Cape Town. Um, you know, second enough. Those are probably three of the most picturesque and, and favourite grounds to play at around the world.
1: So if the 36-year-old Ross Taylor could go back to the 22-year-old Ross Taylor, just as he was about to walk out to bat for the first time, and give him one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, um, don't sweep the small stuff. That's true in life, isn't it? yeah I think
2: um you you get' in, you get into the battle and um you know you probably make it bigger than it really is um, and you know sometimes when you when you fail you you so hard on yourself that it actually is to you know it affects the way you play the next inning so i think um if you go over different times in your career, cricket's hard enough without beating yourself up too much um don't sweat the small stuff and Funny, I mean, it's easy to say this now in, a, in this forum, but it, it's still true to this day. Um, and when I'm at 36, um, I'll still live by that as well.
1: Mm, that's a good point. Um, what would you say is the most hostile spell of bowling that you faced? Um, I think a couple of
2: spells that i faced, Stain, been pretty hostile, but... Um, I In terms of, um, in recent times, I think even just the... I I wasn't out there long enough, but um, I felt like I could get out any ball um, during the Melbourne test. Um, You know, there was something in the wicket, I think. I guess because Australia got 400, everyone thought there was quite a flat wicket. Um, But it was actually still a lot in it, and it was still very green on day day two, three um, as well. So, you know, I thought the... Patterson and Cummings Came in um, And yeah That was That was That was hostile Bowling where I suppose There's difference uh, Hostile and The ball was moving around You know This Became pretty difficult
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. just going back to a point you made, you know, playing at the Boxing Day test result didn't go your way, but coming up against such quality opponents and having so many Kiwis in the in the ground as well, it must have just been a quite a surreal moment at times.
2: Yeah, I think um, you know, cricket cricket is not our national sport, um, but we grow up watching and with the obviously similar time zone um, with Australia, uh, you know, most. Most New Zealanders know about the rivalry in cricket and the underarm, and we can go on and on. But um, you know, I think there's something extra special about a Boxing Day. You know, you, it's a majority of people in New Zealand would, would switch it over and, and watch and, and know the significance of it. And We hadn't played there for 30 odd years. Um, I think we probably made it a, big, big, a bit bigger deal than we than it was. I think it was a fantastic opportunity, but uh, it was a little bit like the World Cup. I think we probably made it a bigger deal and. Sometimes, I suppose with the mindset we went into at, at the World Cup uh, in 2019, you got to lose a World Cup to win one. I think you know, the next time the team does go over and play, uh, hopefully it's not 32 years. But if it is in the next um, four or five years, I don't think uh, the occasion will will be as great as as I think we made it out to be.
1: Yeah, and maybe you know half your team won't go down with injury as well. Maybe a, a little bit of luck yeah. might, might even uh, even itself up.
2: Oh, I think so. I think, it, but the, I mean, it was such a, a special occasion, your family and friends, where I think um, they made it. But then, you know, I don't think those distractions will be as big the next time for, hopefully, a lot of the guys who would who were to go back.
1: So, obviously, as we sit here now, uh, coronavirus has brought a halt to cricket around the world. Um, if it was a situation that was to be brought in that only one format could be played for the next couple of years to see your career out, which of the three formats would you choose? (laughs) Um,
2: Oh, I mean, the way my career's gone, you know, the emergence of 2020, um, 2020 cricket is, you know, it's brought in the crowds and and it's a short format. Um, I guess from a, from an entertainment point of view, I'd definitely say 2020 cricket. But then in terms of probably the format that I've done the best in, um, I would like to play one days. but then at the same time, I'd like to finish on test cricket being the ultimate. Um, and if, and if uh, coronavirus, we don't get that big of crowds anyway, so it <laughs> won't feel any different if we played test cricket. So I'm just... Stayed on the fence there, and apologies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you did. You did very well. Um, I mean, you you dominated T Twenty cricket for a for a number number of years. You know, at that time, did you consciously focus more on that side of the game? Has there been periods where you have had to focus on one of the three formats more than the others?
2: Um, yeah, I think you, you. I think you have to. Um, and then sometimes you you change and um, have. You know, I guess there's World Cups, there's One Day World Cups, there's um, there's no World Cup, so you focus on Test cricket, I think. And there's a, there's a stage in the middle of my career where I found that I had a different grip in my with my technique, and then I found it too hard to change in between. Um, and I guess that's where it would almost it was good for white ball cricket, but then Test cricket would take me one you know, a warm-up game or a test match to get into it to to try and change a grip and, and get back again. So, um, you know, I think I've evolved there and, and tried to keep, get a technique which is... Um, ..or a grip that sort of can, can go into most of it without compromising the other, if that makes any sense.
1: When you see the youngsters coming through the game, do they still talk about the longer format test cricket? Or do you think... There's a lot of lip service played to the game, but in reality, <laughs> I, in reality, I think that, I mean, that's a very good question, and
2: and I and I, and I do I do generally believe that seventy or eighty percent of the players um, still love and want Test cricket to be the ultimate. But I, then there, then there is the odd person that I think and I agree with you that um, you know they're saying what people want to hear. Um, but then I also admire the people that. Uh, are honest and say that they want to just play Twenty Twenty, and, and that's the pinnacle. Mm. Um, and and, and, and you got to respect them for that as well, and, and respect their honesty.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think actually Twenty Twenty has just given more cricketers more of a career, really. To be honest, so um, yeah, I'll go with that. Well exactly.
2: I suppose, but at the same time, I suppose Coronavirus has um, closed a lot of borders, so it'd be interesting. Um, whether players stay in the game a lot longer at international level, knowing that, um, and I suppose being a rugby nation, a lot of our players go over to Europe, whether that's still around and and is accessible uh, going forward, we'll just have to wait and see.
1: In a post-Ross Taylor world, and hopefully a post-coronavirus world, how positive are you about the future of cricket in New Zealand?
2: I think it's it's, it's pretty good. I think our stocks are as high as they've ever been in terms of depth. Um, we've got a good nucleus of um, senior players and and some very good youngsters and and, and I suppose we don't have the the budget or, or, or the player player numbers that some of the other countries have. But um, as long as we continue on and, and continue to try and get better and utilise our resources as, as good as possible, um, then hopefully you know our team going forward um, you know can continue to improve. And, uh, you don't want it to go backwards, but um, you know when when some of the big players um you know decide to start pulling pulling back a little bit you know there's gonna be big holes when when kane and and trent and and Tim do finally um you know call it a day whenever that is but um you know hopefully then the youngsters and and that can can take take the lead and um and build on what uh what the team has done over the last few years.
1: Well, that brings us quite nicely to, I suppose, the end of the interview. And so, thanks so much for giving me some of your time. But what is the future for Ross Taylor then? How, have, you, uh, have you got any ideas about how the next three or four, five years might pan out? What's uh, a life outside of cricket for Ross Taylor? Is that a possibility once you stop playing?
2: Oh, I think, I think so. I think, um, you know, you give all your efforts to um, playing the game that you love. Um, and the game 's been good to you, but um you know I just got to f- I still feel like i 've got a couple of years left in me um, still got the the drive and hunger to get better and um, and hopefully score a lot more runs uh, twenty twenty three is, is hopefully the goal um, but we 'll just have to wait and see there 's still a long way away but um, no i 'm looking forward to to being a dad and um, afterwards, but as I said before, the game of cricket 's been good to me, so um, you know finding a way to get back and and passing on the knowledge that that I've got over the last um, you know whatever years that I've played this game.
1: And last question for you, mate. When Jacinda lowered it from level three to level two, what were the uh, what was the, how did you spend that first day of blessed relief out out of lockdown
2: to level two?
1: Yeah, what? Did, how did um, you spend? Uh, how did you spend first day of level two?
2: We uh, we went to the beach. <laughs> we went to the beach. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would have gone to the beach already. Um, and when I mean we don't live next to the beach, you've got to drive there. But um, I suppose having a profile and, and people knowing who you are, um, I, I definitely wasn't going to try and... Uh, take advantage of the rules and break them. <laughs> as well. so it was nice to uh, it was nice to go and, and the kids just loved having a, a different scenery which was um, you know we were in lockdown a week before, you know eight eight and nine days before everyone else so um, it's been a while but good.
1: Huge thanks to Ross Taylor. Hopefully you enjoyed listening. The Cricket Collective will be our next offering on the following on podcast feed via Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Acast. It's going to be a phenomenal listen. Neil Manthorpe joined by the former England captain, Mike Atherton, and the former South African captain, Sean Pollock, to talk about captaincy, international cricket, and plenty more. I do hope you join us.